me joe just popping in here to say that we're giving away one free spot to our women's voice activation retreat on the 28th to the 30th of october in ibiza all details for this event are in our friday episode show notes but if you wish to win this spot write us a short email to just the good news please at gmail.com and tell us which woman in your life has inspired you to speak up. Maybe a friend, family member, or even a famous person has stopped you in your tracks at some point in your life and made you realise that you too can be strong, courageous, and say what you need to say. Once you send that email, head to Instagram at The Reset Rebel, like our account, and share this post about this free place in your stories and tag us at The Reset Rebel so we can enter your name into the hat, which gets pulled on Monday the 24th of October next week. Have a gorgeous weekend. I'll see you soon. Okay, brand new episode coming at you right now. Don't go away. The Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And today I'm joined by a lady whose photographs have been seen on the pages of local magazines like White Ibiza, international publications such as Condonas Traveller, The New York Times, Suitcase Yoga Magazine, Yoga Journal, and Om Yoga Magazine. So she's very au fait with the incredible profession that she's uh, been doing for the last 20 or more than 20 years on the island of Ibiza. She's from Chile and I'm very grateful that she's made the time to pop in and see me here at the Hub Studio today. Sophia, welcome to the Reset Rebel podcast. Thank you so much. Hello, happy to be here. Thank you so much, first of all, for my incredibly beautiful gift that you brought me all wrapped up and looking... um, yeah, very gorgeous. And um, from your island crafts, which is obviously a little spin off from what you do um, as a photographer. Talk us through that to begin with. I mean, this is obviously something that you've perhaps um, been inspired by time out in nature on the island, I'm guessing. 
Um, yes, actually, um, this is uh, my little brand I've created, Island Witchcrafts. It's uh, it was born during lockdown, actually, in COVID times, and uh, I was looking for something to make smoke, and I could not go to the shops. And I actually went outside, and it was spring, and I was like, "Why are we actually bringing stuff from all over the world to burn and make smoke?" Um, since this island is so full of beautiful things and so much abundance, I thought, well, maybe we can find something here. And we also, at the same time, honor the land where we step on, honor the land, honor ourselves, understand ourselves uh, through the elements. So that's all the work that I do. I make smoke offerings. So it's all the conjunction of all the elements for the five elements and connecting to ourselves and being presence. I mean, I haven't opened this um, very beautiful gift that you've um, given me there. I'm very excited to do that. Maybe I'll do that a little bit later on. But, you know, I liked what you said there already from the off about honouring the land. And actually, it's very reminiscent of a conversation I was having just a few weeks back with Nat Kelly, who's an actress, but she's also director on the board of Kiss the Ground. And we were talking about Tulum, interestingly, and the fact that you actually can't enter the beach there because it's kind of like cordoned off for the users of the five-star hotels. So I really, I like what you say there about honouring the land and this kind of, you know, localization and, you know, why would we keep bringing in all these items that make smoke? But what traditionally are the items that make smoke that perhaps we might buy that are not from here? Um, Not from here, I would say incense, like Indian incense or uh, Palo Santo. That's the main thing, I would say, or white sage that's from North America. So I would say it's more of those things that we don't really have any connection with and it's not even part of our culture. So I decided to go into the the history and stories of women that what were they using here in the Mediterranean. And here we find rosemary, lavender, pine, sabina, resins as well that you get from the trees. So uh, every season has its own thing. Um, I like to put, well, since I come from Chile, I also like to put a little bit of what I've learned there as a kid. Like we used to use eucalyptus and orange peels and the fire. So um, I also like to use that in citrusy season, for example. Um, here we have, yeah, all sort of plants and everything has its own properties or spirits. So I like to work with their, their spirit. What, what are the plants actually trying to tell us? And yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing to understand what is surrounding us because um, we're all part of the same thing here in this, in this beautiful place. I remember coming out of a a yoga class recently and I met this lady in the car park. She'd been on the mat next to me and we got chatting and she she works with plants, I think, in a very similar way that you're talking about. But she was telling me that Palo Santo is actually kind of like almost like a borderline endangered species now because of the fact that, you know, all of these yogis from around the world and we know that the kind of wellness scene has exploded in the last decade that it's it's actually having you know a lot of problems um, globally do you know anything further about that I don't know too much about it but I, I've been in Peru also I bought some Palo Santo there from a um, woman that was at the doorstep of the church and I think it's uh, it's wonderful I mean uh, it smells beautifully it uh, it just clears up the space very well um, but yes I also heard that it's endangered and 
it's really cheap also. Like, I don't understand how something that is so valuable can be so cheap at this side of the world as well. So I think that we just have to be uh, conscious of the things that we use and understand where they come from. And uh, even if we are attributing like a positive um, spiritual meaning to it it might also not be so positive so we just have to look into it and also understand where it's coming from who is cutting it and why (laughs) also so yeah it's important um i don't use too much palisanto just when i feel like i really that plant is calling me but i have a few sticks in my house that I bought actually in South America, not even here. So um, I think we just have to connect to the plants and understand where they come from and what we can do with the plants that we have around us wherever we are in the world. So tell us, you know, obviously you're from, you're not from Ibiza, you're from Chile. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story before we get into talking about photography and your profession. You know, what brought you to Ibiza? Uh, what a wonderful place Um, I've been living in Chile all my life I just moved to different cities but I was always living in Chile and I came to the island when I was 19 I turned 20 here I came just on holiday Um, I was more or less about a month here on the island and this was on 2007 and Oh my God, this place just spoke to me. I was completely in shock, actually, because, I mean, it was my second time in Europe, but I'd never seen a place that was so different everywhere where you looked. Like, um, I loved the old town and the little white houses and all the crazy people, like, on on the, uh, how do you say, when they were walking for... uh, promoting the clubs and and then in the daytime the beaches and in the nighttime the crazy parties as well so it was such an extreme place and such an felt like such an open place it felt very genuine and very like place for freedom and so I felt very safe here so I decided I wanted to come back here to live I was, well, 20 at that time. I came to live here when I was 23, 2011. I spent my first winter here, arrive in winter, and um, it was very quiet. But I loved it because I could see, like, the base of the island, which I could not see when I came in July. Uh, You could see the nature. You could see, uh, you could feel the island very much. Um, I was working in a design agency, I arrived and worked there immediately, um, called Concordance, it's an Ibisenko agency in Ibiza town. So I was living very basically, Um, I would be working uh, every day and I would drive my bicycle from Playa de Mbosa to Ibiza town, back and forth, have lunch, come back. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was just me doing my thing I really liked it and the island was the perfect place for me to just expand that and start to know myself a little bit more because I always lived at my mom's house before coming here mm-hmm. I was uh, studying in the university I was always through like surrounded by the same kind of people so uh, when I come here everything felt very different and 
as I said before, it felt very safe because coming from South America, also being a woman, it was very difficult for me to just be able to um, go out by myself or just go walk by the street and nothing would happen here. It was just, yeah, you could just be yourself, right? Like the problems were not those. Um, Talk to us about what the, what that felt like. What were those problems back then? Um well, there was not so much problems, really, to be honest, because I was really, um, it was just that moment where you are young and really searching for your dream. And that dream was actually happening. So it was really beautiful just to be there, be here and live, you know, and my problems would be like, oh, maybe like I it's too late so I cannot take the bus or and I just have to cycle home and stuff like like that, you know. It was not- but I mean, what about the problems that you say you didn't feel safe in Chile? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in Chile, yes. I think we all know more or less than like South America. Uh, it can be very dangerous. Uh, there's a lot of uh, thieves and people that just are very violent as well. So in in that in that point of view, for me, it was not easy. Um, I always felt suppressed. I always felt like I could not just be myself, be free, go out, see things, explore, uh, go out to take pictures anytime, any day with anybody, just be open to meet people and um, knowing that they won't harm you right so it was it was basically that my mum was always very protective of me as well she was always just come home early um she would pick me up you know so uh coming here it was really eye-opening to see what really life could be it could be anything right you don't have to be worried anymore that you're going to be arriving home after um it's dark and something would happen to you. It was mainly that what didn't make me feel uh, safe. It was just being scared of something could happen to you. Um, everything else was okay. I was always with a lovely family and lovely friends and I studied what I wanted and everything. But as a society, sometimes it felt very oppressive, um, especially, I think, by being a woman, a young woman. In what way did you feel oppressed? Um, in the way that uh, you cannot really, you cannot really go out in the world. Uh, it's it's very much a man's world, and it's very much um, a place where um, you don't feel good if you make money. You don't feel good if you have high hopes and big dreams. You have to kind of fit in. You kind of have to. Uh, play safe and that to me was what happened I wanted to um, figure out life in my own means not of just following one path because that's the safe path so I like I like life to be expansive and surprising in a good way of course so you felt free when you came here on holiday and that's what inspired you to move here and then you moved here at 23 when you finished university got this little job working in Ibiza town and you kind of obviously fell in love with the island but that feeling of safety and being able to go out and do whatever you wanted to back then what are we talking like you know 12 years ago that's an amazing feeling I mean that's what everybody on the face of this planet deserves right now and it's clearly not what we're seeing globally yes it was 
It was that. Obviously, it was also the beauty of the island, the nature, the the what is out there, the offering, right? Out to, out there to the things that you can do. Um, but to me, yes, it was mainly that free spirit because I see people that are very different and they're not they're not having a problem to be themselves, right? So you would go, I don't know, to Calle La Virgen and see all these characters and you would be like, wow, they can actually be themselves and it's fine, right? It's, it's approved. So that was for me the main thing that made me move to this place. That was in 2007, 2011 I came here and um, yeah, it really felt like a place for freedom. Um, It was a simple life for me, so I really enjoyed those times. Now I look back and I'm like, wow, it was everything was so so easy and simple, and I just go to my work, and then at night I would just go to space and, and repeat, you know. So it was it was just very nice, and it was very happy vibes. How can you go to space every night and still manage to get to work the next day? That's quite an impressive feat for someone in their early 20s. Yes, well, I I don't I don't drink alcohol since I was very young. Um, I also didn't really do drugs. By then I would just go out and I love dancing. Uh, so electronic music would be my drug, my push to be out there. And, you know, space, it was also open very early. So I would probably go there at eight after work and be there and, and by midnight or before 2 a.m. I would be home and sleeping. So I could just keep on going the next day for sure. Um, I remember when I was um, the first year, I would still drink alcohol. The second year, stopped drinking alcohol um, because I realized I was allergic to alcohol and I would faint every time I would get like half a glass. And it was really scary the second year on a space opening party. I fainted. I knew I was going to faint, so I was like in this big parking lot, right? This huge party they used to make. So I went to the bar and I was like, sorry, I'm going to faint. Please call the security guard. And the guy came and I fell and I uh, completely lost my consciousness. And uh, when I recovered it, I was like the drunk girl, like really destroyed girl at the party where the guy was bringing her to the doctors and like all my dress was up and I was like all dead and I was like you know what maybe it's the alcohol so I stopped drinking and I've never fainted ever since and I love going to parties and enjoy them very much and I think I'm probably the only sober person at the dance floor but I'm always the one that has the most fun. <laughs> That is the impression. I mean, I, I remember watching your Instagram for quite some time now and I always used to see you, you know, at Amnesia right until the sun came up thinking, wow, I don't know how she does that. Like, I would always see you, like, posting stories on your step count as well. I mean, obviously you're very physical and running around in your work, but I was like, God, that girl's got some energy. <laughs> Thank you. Well, techno is my energy for sure. I would go to Cocoon every Monday and that was my favorite party. I remember once I... I think it was for the closing party I did like something like 45 kilometers <laughs> oh, yes I love it I love all the characters always feel like I'm high just out of uh, all the people that are high around me so I just love it it's a great energy and the music for me is uh, it's also one of the things that made me move to this island so I try to 
do as much as possible with it and take advantage as much as I can. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, yeah, that's kind of incredible. I mean, how much more you can achieve when you're staying sober all the time. You can always, you know, drive and get yourself home and save lots of money in that respect. Also, you're not spending like, you know, 15 pounds per drink at the bar either. And that's interesting what you say about feeling high off the energy around you, because I think a lot of people that are now on the sober path don't want to go out and mix with the people with their kind of dirty energy as they perhaps view it. But that's interesting that you feel kind of the exact opposite. Uh, yeah, I think by the time that when I went sober, it was not very popular to be sober by then. And uh, everyone would be like, why are you sober? What's the problem? Why are you not drinking? And I kind of got used to it. So I was always the one not drinking. And it was fine. Uh, everyone else was drinking. And it's true that sometimes I, it's not my favorite place to be. Like I would much rather be around people that are not drunk or like taking stuff up their noses. But I think it's also part of everything. We kind of, if, if we don't mix ourselves up or if we don't accept the other and their own path, then uh, how can we be true to ourselves as, as well? I, I think it's better to face things than to um, kind of like hide and not see what is happening outside. Um, so I like in this, in this way, I like to face things and I like to also enjoy them and find my way through things. Um, I think it's important that we have our own voice and that we find our own way and our own way of partying. Um, if you like the music, of course, if after drinking all these years, then you are sober and you still don't like it so much, then don't go. But if you still like it like me, um, yeah, that's the main thing. I would just be sober and partying and still listening to the same music during the day or whatever. And to me, that was the thing. It was the sharing. It was the dancing. It was the meeting people. It was, yeah, just listening to these amazing DJs that we have. We're so fortunate to have them here every night. So that that's what excites me so if you also feel excited by that alcohol is not really going to make any difference um, it's just probably going to make you sleepy <laughs> that's probably yeah I wish someone had told me that when I was 18 when I started drinking um, I think you know that's great to hear that you feel that way about the opportunity that, that comes here every summer I think to go out and dance and to play and, you know, for me, that is how I view it. It's like a massive playground that exists on my doorstep. And for the most part, these days, I don't tend to engage with that as much as I used to. But that was my world for a really long time. And yeah, just every now and again, I'll just get that urge. And I just think, well, why wouldn't I just go out and, you know, as you say, go and experience some of the best DJs in the world that do come here. Um, but I think for me, it just... It's the opportunity to play in a way that I don't think exists anywhere else. And I think play in life in general is extremely important. And I think once I go through patches where there hasn't been, you know, that opportunity to go and play somewhere, whether it be on the volleyball pitch or out in a nightclub, I'm just not feeling, yeah, I'm not feeling this energy that I need. Um, and I haven't had that time to kind of, you know, get out of the serious side of life and just come back to the lightness and and the play and the kind of meeting of of interesting people and being in an environment that just doesn't feel so static and 
I think, hard in some ways. Mm, yes, I agree. I I think the best way to <clears throat> to get your like work day out of your system is going out and have fun. And there is there, there must be no rules on how you have fun, of course. Um, to me, it was very difficult the last few years when we were locked down and the clubs were closed. Um, because for me, it wasn't really an outlet. It's, it's a way I connect to myself through dance. It's, it's a way I understand... Um, what is happening through my body, the energy that is coming out and what is stuck there as well. I love I love having those instances where I can go out and connect to myself, connect to others, connect to through the music and have fun and just live a little, you know, I would just be light and yeah, I and and what happened to me is that I got really Sad, and it was quite serious times for me, and I get even emotional thinking about it because um, it was kind of like you cut my wings, and I need to I need to go out to explore myself, and this dance floor was the perfect way to do it because it's so democratic, because anyone can just go there, right? You're just with whoever, with whatever age next to you, and I think that's the fun of it because. It, it's never the same. Every night is different. Every party is different because the people is also what is making this party. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful way for me to connect to myself, connect to others, and uh, just, yeah, just have some fun and and especially, like, clear out things that are stuck in my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dance really relieves that for me. I think you're you know you've also gone down quite a bit of a yoga path in the last uh you know obviously all of this is just observing on instagram like your little kind of daily diary obviously as a photographer you have one of the best instagrams that exists and lots of beautiful images on there but when did you get into yoga um actually it was through photography and that's really interesting because i well here i tried some yoga classes i've never been a sporty person at all and but yoga kind of like spoke to me in another way um i was working at ytbisa uh, i worked there for four years and i was there like a house photographer and i remember we had this client called sebastian who used to run hot yoga visa and um, we were we were having to take their pictures. And my first approach to a proper yoga class was a hot yoga class where I had to come in with my camera about half an hour before the class so the camera would adapt to the heat. And I would see all these like super strong guys, super muscular, sweating their asses off. And Seb was just like boom, 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 telling all these things of the class. And I was like, wow, well, so this is yoga. Well, interesting. So after that, I was kind of forced, but in a good way, to go to this class and in exchange for pictures. So that's how I normally would go into things for the first time. So I was doing exchanges with him. I started going to these yoga classes. And, oh, my God, it's just changed so much within me. Also physically, because I was always the kind of like long-legged girl where I could never touch my feet. And I see 
all these super stretchy people and I was never a gymnast as a kid either so um, I started feeling all these changes of flexibility in my body and a lot of strength but not just that also flexibility and strength in my mind and I could go to work in a completely different way different perspective um, much more clear-headed um, I would also be stronger to like carry my cameras and my equipment and meeting people. So it was a beautiful way to start with that. I think that was around the year 2013, 14, something like this. I did my first yoga shoot with Seb. Uh, we went all around the island taking pictures of him doing these incredible postures. And uh, that was how I got really into yoga. I would go every day to practice at his studio. Uh, we did many times the 30-day challenges where I would just go to yoga every day, sweat my ass off. It's great. For me, the heat helps. Like, I'm really a summer lover. So I, for me, it was just, oh, it's hot in there. So I just go there, sweat. Beautiful. I love it. So also I love the rhythm of his classes. So I was a hot yoga yogi for many, many years until I decided I needed some more space for me and understand yoga a little bit better from another point of view. And on 2019, I did my yoga teacher training and uh, 200 hours, I think. And uh, since then, I've been more of a personal practice person. I still would go to his classes sometimes when I feel needed a little bit more of a push. But um, it's mostly me and my practice. And sometimes I do go see other teachers. I think it's important that you're in a class with more energies and more people around um, and you can learn other things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's been more or less my yoga path, like physical yoga path of course and um, the spiritual path has been going with it as well um, I think uh, it opens so much your mind and well your body and then your mind right so everything is connected and and you feel in, in union with everything so that that has been what triggered it and <laughs> the path more or less that is going through um, that's so interesting that you started with hot yoga because that's exactly how I started as well in London. That's when I first started to go and practice. And yeah, it felt a little bit like sort of torture to begin with. But then it, it got easier as time went on. I just loved that high when I came out after 90 minutes of sweating your butt off. Um, yeah, just felt like I could do anything after that. I felt amazing. But that's intriguing about Seb because um, I did try his class once and um, yeah, just found his, he's just, he just never stops talking and it's just like so full on. And for me, yoga is about, well, the classes I'd been to that of hot yoga were very much about at least having, you know, a little bit of silence in between instructions to kind of drop into the posture. So that for me didn't work at all. But that's very interesting that, you know, that's what hooked you in as well. Is he still here? Yes, yes, he's still here. He's resuming his classes, uh, not her yoga anymore, but he's doing Hatha yoga classes in the winter. Um, why, why did hot yoga shut down? That's, that's really sad. I was actually thinking about maybe getting involved this winter. It's kind of like exactly what you need in the winter months of Ibiza. 
for sure, for sure. I really loved his studio and his classes, but I think sometimes running businesses in Ibiza are a little bit difficult and uh, it just took the toll on him, I suppose. But yeah, it was really a sanctuary for me going there. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's funny that you say that for me, since I was always a very like hyper brain person, um, silence was very difficult for me to handle. And uh, being quiet in peace was like, no, I need to be overproductive and do more and listen to more. And I learned so much actually by what all the things that he was saying in class, um, it really kind of like went through me, into me. And I, I learned a lot about how, how to be a yogi with all the things that he was saying. It was not just giving cues for the postures, but um, it was a very good teacher. I think he's a great teacher. For me, it really, it really worked. It was a good, um, it was a good transition between the mindless and the mindful. Um, to me, it was it was a, he's a he's a great teacher. I love him dearly, and uh, it was for me very very good to be in that sport of uh, so much going on that I have I have to be quiet inside mm. in order to not fall and collapse. So, yeah. No, it's just super interesting how different people interpret different styles of teaching. It's a little bit like the conversation we had before we came into the studio and I was I was on the phone to somebody in Australia about who used to be a DJ in Ibiza and he was talking about studying this idea about, you know, what styles of music that, you know, light us up and why, you know, why that kind of chemistry happens in our brain to make us want to go out and dance to, you know, maybe you like techno music, I like reggae music, but why is that? And what happens in our brain when those two things happen? Exactly the same with yoga. I mean, God knows how many styles of yoga there are these days. I mean, there's broga and joga and zoga and foga and God knows what else. And I think, you know, that's a great thing because obviously everyone likes to do things completely differently. Some in silence, some with music, some, you know, with instructions. And that's a great thing. But I think it's just very, you know, interesting how we can kind of diversify, you know, potentially one practice into such a, a broad spectrum of desires and needs and and that you know is a great thing that that can be that way because I don't think that's certainly not where yoga came from originally it's not you know authentic to its its origins necessarily um but I just find that you know very a very interesting thing and the fact that it's obviously offset the implications of your work and the lifestyle that you have here and it helped you you know um adapt I think to to find more peace within you let's talk about your photography work so you obviously as you say you were working at White Ibiza and you were their in-house photographer what was that like oh that's my favorite job ever I really loved it um I was actually never a photographer like with the name I I studied arts my whole life I studied graphic design in university and art history I would have a couple of classes of photography but it was not really for a, being a photographer and um but I always was with my camera my film camera since I was a kid always around me um and here I was working 
at uh, Concord Dance first, as I said, and then I had to leave that job, unfortunately. But um, the second year I was here, I didn't have a job, and I met Christy at Ybiza, and uh, she was like, "Oh, maybe you would like to come take some pictures for us." And and at first, I remember, I think it was the first job I had with them. Um, I was so nervous. I almost died. I, I suffer with like uh, a lot of anxiety and um, especially being in public and with people. Um, social anxiety is a big thing. So I was kind of having to come and do these photos at this place. I think it was KM5. Um, and I was supposed to take these pictures of the event, photos of people smiling at the camera. And I, so that would mean that I had to ask everyone, how can I take a photo for Visa? And I was like 23 years old, 24. So people would be like, no. And they would just turn around or don't even like acknowledge I was standing there and oh my God, I felt so bad. So for me, it was a big process of uh, being confident and uh, being social as well and uh, understanding people and understanding how to approach people. So when I was working there um, in the end, because that was like one year, one summer where I was taking pictures for them, but I went to work for them uh, at the end of the summer doing graphics and photography. And it was amazing because I could photograph everything mm -hmm. so that was kind of my school I could like in a in a day I would have three four photo shoots in different places and different people or things or a house or objects and food and restaurants and a beach and a hotel and everything so that was really inspiring to me I could I could really see the island I could go to the, all these places that I could have not have met through if it was not through my work um, it was like seeing the backstage of Ibiza so that was uh, really beautiful I really enjoyed it and I loved working with Christy she was a great editor at that time for me I learned a lot and what things should look like um, how I should approach things as well what how I should get a concept behind it um, all these things that I learned through graphic design and advertising and all this but um, but in photography was kind of different because I, n I never really knew how to be a photographer so I just learned it on the go anything that they would ask Sophia would you think that you can shoot this jewelry yes I'll shoot the jewelry so I would just learn on the go that's interesting I actually had a little get together with Christy just the other week as well at the standard in Ibiza town and yeah she told me like her full life story actually I really wished I'd recorded it so Christy if you're listening please let's get together and record a podcast I mean obviously I used to know her as Miss W I used to love that column and um, always found it thoroughly fascinating to sort of hear about the scrapes that she was getting into but I'm sure you must have got into some of your own back in the uh, early 20s of uh, you know cutting your teeth in the photography world of Ibiza what, what is the etiquette of that then when you kind of you know you need to sort of basically ask permission now then if you're in a public venue to just to take a picture of someone and and how do you go about approaching someone out of interest what have you learned? <laughs> um, what have I learned? I learned that it's always better to say sorry than ask <laughs> I prefer I prefer to approach things in a like 
um, observer kind of way. So my, still my favorite thing to shoot would be the beaches. Uh, I love shooting at the beach. I love shooting like people from far away, like seeing what they're doing. And I would normally never ask them for their picture because I also tend to not um, show faces or anything like this. So <laughs> she's taking my picture now. So um, for me, it's important to uh, be always very aware of the other person's face and how they feel and um, if they want to be in a picture or not if you're going to approach someone um, if not then try to make it not obvious that it's that person um, make it not obvious that it's that place even if you should not be shooting um, I don't think it's uh, um, ad adequate to shoot someone uh, secretly and then post a photo of them um, so I would always, if I have to ask someone for a per for a picture, um, I would just approach them and be like, "Hi, I'm taking this picture for this reason, um, and you look super um, uh, beautiful or whatever." So can I take your picture, please? And just be honest about it. I think we just have to stop being so scared of others, and we just have to be honest and be friendly and just embrace that business spirit as well because I mean we're here for a reason right so we all kind of like love the island in our way so it's good to um, be uh, attentive with people and be empathic with people and yeah try to make them look their best yes people love to look their best in Ibiza let's be honest I mean it's it's kind of one of those places where there's a lot of focus on the exterior and um, I feel like you know that's been a real thing for me since I moved here and I think I've probably not so much now that I don't teach yoga but specifically when I was in the yoga teaching world for a, a wee while I would get incredibly nervous and um, doubtful about what I was wearing you know whether I was too fat to be going to class to teach or didn't feel good enough to stand up in front of lots of beautiful thin women um, that seemed to come to my classes and I'd be standing there going oh my god I mean, what must they be thinking of me? They're about half my size, you know, like why Why should I be kind of standing at the front? So it was a very interesting narrative, I think, that started up in my mind when I moved here. It was definitely there before I came, but I think this island definitely, you know, put more emphasis on that part of my headspace, which I, you know, don't suffer from really. Now I'm out of that world of standing at the front of a room and teaching people, you know, how to do yoga. So I think that's very interesting. I mean, obviously you've worked in this very visual, aesthetic kind of land for all those those years. And how do you, you know, how do you find that when you work specifically on, an, on, on you know, on a shoot with a couple or with an event or with women? How do you kind of encourage people or does, you know, is that coming into play through your work? I love that question. Um, actually, well, first of all, I think that this island always puts you in the spot. And uh, if you don't go through it and if you don't understand um, your patterns and your behaviors, then you kind of sink in, in, into this place. So it's good that we are aware of the things that kind of bother us and work through them. Um, but to me... Uh, it's difficult always to work with people just because of the looks. That's the main reason why I don't shoot fashion anymore. Um, I don't really care so much of how 
aesthetics things are. Um, I I care more about the feelings. I care more about how you feel, what inspires you, that you are being yourself. Uh, to me, real, real, real beauty is so connected with confidence and honesty. Um, to me, just being beautiful just because uh, it's not really that beautiful or interesting at all. And I shoot normal people, really, like regular people that actually sometimes they have their issues and they um, don't think the best of themselves or they don't think that uh, they can be seeing in a certain way. And to me, really, it's not so much about the aesthetics. It's more about the honesty and what is in in there um, what is that we want to communicate with this picture um, I, I come from the art world so really to me it's, it's not much about the art looking pretty it's more about the art communicating and uh, that still translates in my, to my photography um, I love I love to just be goofy and silly and myself when I am shooting so people feel that they can also be themselves and they can open and they are not uh, so self-conscious or they are not being um, um, just it just breaks my heart when I hear people saying like oh I had I hate my picture to being taken because uh, I should be looking this way I should be looking that way or I should be a thin yoga teacher or I should be and I'm like you should not be anything you just should be yourself and embrace that so that's why I always try to put through the photography is that we are all unique and we are all here for our own reasons and that is the reason that you should be taking your photo um what is that you want to say what is who you are um how do you want to be perceived and how you are really perceived and how you perceive yourself so all those things for me is what makes a a true good photograph um, because when you really see that person and when that person see themselves in there and they they're like oh well I, I can see my wrinkles but it's okay you know that for me is like oh yes eureka moment you know because you have to accept yourself because we are not really seeing ourselves all day every day and we are how we are right and is others that see us always and sometimes when we are see our picture of ourselves we are like oh that's me oh wow I should change this and that and that and that and this and that and that is really difficult for me because I don't see that because when I come and take your picture I'm like oh that's great the beautiful the light looks so beautiful when it hits you like that and when you smile you're just wow it just Fills, fills your face with light and then you could be like oh my but my teeth is weird I'm like okay so let's work both things okay the things that I don't see because I see others and the things that you see that you don't like so let's play with that Let, I, I will try not see that teeth okay but I will try to see this other thing that I'm seeing that you have and and that for me is the is the main goal with my photographs is is stop the apologizing for who you are and just be and just ah, feel free because you're being seen 
right? And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, I mean, I've never, ever done a photo shoot in my life, actually. And I, I was starting a new podcast series for The Gang of Witches, Ibiza podcast series, which I also present. And they asked me for a headshot. And I was like, I haven't got one. And I actually called up uh, someone that had just been kind of, you know, asking for some advice on podcasting who happened to be a wedding photographer. And we went up to the Puig de Mesa. And I remember going up there thinking, I just feel enormous. Like, I'm having a fat day. I'm not, like, feeling good about myself. And not one outfit did I put on that I felt good in. And maybe we only changed clothes about two or three times. But when I looked at the pictures, I was honestly astounded they were absolutely amazing I loved all of them there were very few that I didn't like I don't know if it was the light or just maybe the reflection of the Puig de Mesa which is obviously extremely whitewashed but I was pleasantly surprised I don't know if if Nigel is a basically a magician he must have had a magic wand in his pocket but I was impressed and and I think sometimes when you you know throw yourself out of your comfort zone as you say and just accept well, this is the day that I've got to get this done. So it's not optional whether the weather's a bit shonky or whether I'm feeling fat and ugly and horrible and my hair's, you know, not looking the way it normally does. I think that's an interesting thing that you can, you know, obviously you do what you do for a reason because you bring out the best in people. And I think that's just a really beautiful skill, not just doing what you do there, but you must take that into lots of other areas of your life. Oh, thank you. Yes, Nigel is a magician, first of all. (laughs) The, The thing is that, we are very sensitive people um, as photographers. I think it's important to put yourself in the place of the subject, the one that is having their picture taken. Um, I do a lot of times change photo shoots, uh, change dates, um, because the person was not really feeling it, because, you know, oh, I, I, have, uh, I, I have so many things to do that day. Oh, I don't, I don't really feel like I am myself today. And I think those are really reasonable excuses. I think we, some days, it's not the day for that. And that's totally fine. I prefer much more to change it and then to force something. I'm really not into forcing things like being in a rush, being forced, being stressed. I I really hate those feelings. Like I really go as far away as possible from that. So if I have someone who is going to be photographed that day and they really don't feel like it, we can try. And even if, okay, nothing happens and it's not the day for that, we can try another day. And that is totally okay. I think we we have to be gentle with each other. And it's important that we give each other space for it. Um, but also at the same time, I do have photo shoots that it was really not the day we did it. And anyways, and they love it. Or also I've had clients that they don't, they don't love their photos because they didn't like it. Because they were expecting to... I don't know, be seeing as a film star and they're not really looking like that. And uh, that that's when I struggle also because I, I also we all feel we are doing our best and when it's not appreciated, it's also difficult, right? Especially if you're doing an artistic work and the other person is not really happy with how they look. So... We all have our good and bad days and in, in our in our jobs, I suppose. And uh, but what to me is important is that we we stay gentle, and we are very sensitive people, so we have to honor that. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I loved about Nigel. And I think it was the gen, you know, he's so, he's like a gentle giant. And he wears this, like, at that point, he was wearing like a Superman cape. And he was just sort of flipping this cape around like a, I just loved him. I just, I couldn't stop laughing. The whole day was just joyous because Nigel looked like a superhero. So that for me was um, a good as you say, dif- diffuser of uh, of my nerves and my anxiety about, you know, putting myself out there, which is like, you know, despite what I do for a living, my least favourite thing in the world. If I'm sitting here with one person or myself, which is how I spend most of my time just with my microphone, that's perfect. But put me in front of an audience and, you know, I'm not a happy person. It's a very interesting thing and, and very intriguing as to understand like where where that comes from um i'm intrigued as to your experience because you've spoken about this on on the podcast before with obviously alex gray who was the facilitator of a little workshop that we did once upon a time together called lab 101 uh, to bring your worst nightmares into a yeah a kind of a playground really of, of acting and improv and what drew you um, you know, obviously maybe you spending your life behind the lens, perhaps you felt it was time that you got out there onto the stage. And how did you find that experience? Oh, that was funny. Um, now, you know what? I've always been in theatre since I was a kid, uh, mostly when I was a kid. Um, in school and in uni, I was always doing artistic things. I, I like to uh, collaborate a lot, uh, especially when you do something that involves other people, like taking pe- people's pictures, um, you get a lot of no's. So I like to always try to give the most yes as possible. Even if someone's still like, can I make it? I'm making a video. Can you be in it? Yes, of course. So I always try to do things. I'm a very curious person as well. I like to put myself in the spot and see how I react. I like to learn through things. I, like, I love to have experiences. So that Lab 101, it was funny because um, I enjoyed the exercises through the thing. But I didn't so much enjoy the night of the of the show because I'm very bad at improvising and English is not my first language. So I was like, uh, what am I supposed to do now? And I was really blocked. Like I, I was completely autistic at that moment. Like I could not really engage with anybody. I had no idea what to do. And yeah, that was really hard for me. Um, I'm much more comfortable when I know what I'm doing and I just go there and this is my line and that's it. Um, I was actually more interested and probably we were going to do some makeup or um, um, scenography for like stage um, decoration, things like that. Um, more than the acting bits. Um, But I do enjoy it and I do participate also in uh, Theatre of the Ancients, which is also kind of theatrical um, uh, performance is a participatory performance, ritual performances. And uh, I've got some moments where I've had to speak or I have to act or I have to make something or I have to engage with people a certain way. And I really love it. Um, I That I really, really enjoy. Uh, it's r- straight out my alley and we can also do kind of ceremony ritualistic performance and engage with people and and also be like this mythical beings and out of yourself your own personality i like to explore other realities i like to explore being someone else so in that side um 
I really enjoy all those theater happenings, but uh, I don't think I'm going to do much improvising anymore. <laughs> if you could be somebody else for a day, then who would it be? Oh, I'd probably be a cat or something like that, or a fish. <laughs> Just something very different, <laughs> not a person. <laughs> Well, cats, I was researching. I've got two six-month-old cats, and they, I just, they just don't ever stop sleeping. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Are they going to die? But no, no, 16 to 20 hours a day they get when they're six months old. And I'm like, that is a lot of sleep. Yes, I think we have to learn more from that. <laughs> I think I need, like, a day cat after the summer. It's been crazy, so wouldn't mind sleeping 20 hours. <laughs> How did it feel to go from doing nothing, as you say, and feeling a bit sad and flat and lonely and lost and, you know, locked in and wings clipped to go back to full, explosive, normal summer uh, business as usual? Oh, a lot changed in those two years. Um, uh, I used to be like very bubbly and uh, like big personality and happy and joyful and like going to shoot all these weddings and be like, yeah, let's go there. Let's do this. that. And after two years of really introspective, working on my route and being on the island only, I used to travel a lot before, but just being here and building community and being like, ah, this much more serene person, I find it really difficult to go back. I thought I was going to be really excited. Um, but in the end, I was not. I, I was feeling really overwhelmed. I was, I was not finding a point of connection uh, because I was not really connected to myself, because I was not really understanding my own place, um, because I, I, as I said, I had changed a lot. So who am I now? What am I really shooting? Am I happy shooting this? Like, it, 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 there were a lot of questions. And um, it was a bit too much for me. Uh, last year, especially, um, I kind of like wanted to go out and work, but also feeling really overwhelmed while I was doing it. So now I, I've been shooting a lot, 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 lot this summer, but in a different way. I try to shoot things that... Um, resonate with me a little bit more or where I feel a point of connection with the people that I'm photographing or with the places um, and in that way I feel less overwhelmed but I feel like I have to uh, pick up from a lot from my practices and things that make me feel connected to my center in order to go out and keep on doing this and most certainly I cannot really do it anymore as how I used to do it it required a lot of energy, and I feel constantly very tired now. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, you kind of have to wonder. I mean, there's a lot of people going back to doing what they were doing before, but I don't think anything feels the same as it did. So, And we've all had a lot of time to think about things and our purpose and what we really want to do with the rest of our time here. And, yeah, I think it's a very interesting thing. I mean, I had a complete career change. I mean, I went back to doing this, which I'm loving. And I'm very happy with that decision. But it totally changed my life from, you know, doing the yoga world, which I must admit, has felt like something I would like to exit for for some time due to I think the kind of spiritual narcissism that can exist hasn't felt good to me for a while. And I don't want to be lumped in with kind of, you know, some of the things that I see particularly on Instagram and has felt like a deeply uncomfortable world for me for a while 
Um, obviously, a lot of the gurus coming out and <laughs> being also not quite what they said they were has felt deeply uncomfortable and made me question everything a lot. Um, so, you know, not to say that I'll never teach yoga again, but it just hadn't felt like a world that I was feeling as comfortable and happy to be part of. So I think it's it's an interesting conversation to see how people feel now about the thing that they were doing before. And I think overwhelm is the number one thing that everyone is experiencing. I mean, we've just had a full-blown summer season and of course that's your your busy busy time so you know out of the frying pan into the fire of course you're not gonna you know magically snap your fingers and go back to how it was before so I think yeah I don't know you 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 look amazing so you've obviously managed it and you've 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 coped (laughs) thank you um when I well since since lockdown I was practicing a lot of yoga um, I was doing probably twice a day, 90 hours each time, 90 hours, push, 90 <laughs> minutes every time, almost felt like 90 hours for sure. Um, and that also helped me a lot. But at the same time, I understood that um, I cannot stop three hours of my day to practice because I, I just could not. I have to keep on going. Um but I, I understand where you come from with the spiritual narcissism and all this. Everyone is enlightened after lockdown and everyone knows what they are talking about. And we kind of lost the plot, I felt, somewhere. Uh, I feel like we have to understand that we, if we are uh, talking spirituality and all this, the main thing is that we, as I said before, we are gentle to each other and we understand that we are all in this together. It's all a union, right? It's all it's it's all about being yourself. It's not about really so much showing yourself to the outside world. And uh, I, I had a lot of uh, resistance with uh, the online yogas and the online oversharing everything. And I I, I never went that way. Um, I I just stayed inside. Um, and that helped me a lot. But I also feel like a lot of people, it did help them uh, going online and having this other world uh, virtual reality um, that when we actually came back to the real world, it was not this real, real that we used to have anymore. Is something in between. Now social media is a lot in everything. And... Uh, there's a lot of distortion in there as well because we, when you are meditating, you don't really see your face, but when you are talking to your screen, you do. So it's a different, completely different perception, right? And now there's a lot of people that are putting filters on everything and they put filters on their faces and they put filters and edit their whole practices and they're doing their... their presence practice with their phones and all these things that really are I really don't understand them very much I I don't feel this the way Um, and in that way it's disconnecting us from ourselves and from each other at the same time so I feel like now we all we have to do is is stay present within ourselves and in nature and uh, be with each other like in real life you know, in person and um, be as genuine as we can and soft as we can with each other. I, I think that's the only real way forward. And it's good that all these things are coming up to the light and then we see them and we are acknowledging also the shadow uh, because not everything is light, 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 beautiful light. And 
We do need the other side too. There's no light without shadows. So this place, this island is really, I feel like it's a great place for that. It really shows you the extremes. Everything is on the same place, all together, dark and light. And it's a place that embraces everything. Just the fact that you are being honest with it is being embraced right even if you're like not so good person whatever you're a really shadowy person or not so much light in it but if you're genuine in that shadow then the island embraces you so you should embrace yourself too and that's how I feel at least I think that we have to keep on moving through our paths and understanding that we can be everything and anything at the same time but just stay true to me that's the that's the key Well, that feels like a pretty good place to end. We've been talking for an hour, believe it or not. So um, thank you so much for, for making the time to pop in and see us. And thank you so much for my beautiful gift, which I'm very much looking forward to maybe opening when I get home this afternoon. Um, thanks for having thank, Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It's been super lovely to talk to you. You're very open and make it very easy to talk to. So thank you so much. And thank you for listening. It's the Reset Rebel It's the Reset Rebel It's the Reset Rebel